0: This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now this week's message. Hey, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm looking at the camera while I'm doing the Bible verse. Okay, good. Why you look in the camera? Oh, too. okay. The Lord is my shepherd; I shall not be alone. He makes me lay down and in green pastures. He leads me to quiet waters. He stores my soul. He guides me a passive of righteousness for his name today. Even though I walk through the of the shadow of death, if you know it will bring your me. your rod and your staff, they me. Surely, surely? Prepare a table before me in the presence m- of my enemies. Now ahead. Now ahead. You anoint my head with soil, surely... My cup. My cup, okay. My cup overflows, surely... Yes? Surely, goodness will follow me all the days of my life. Surely, goodness and love. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Mm
1: Now, welcome to a wonderful journey through the book of Psalms. For those of you who have a Bible background, by the way, all the junior high kids that are leaving, they're not leaving because they're mad at me. They're going to their own class, all right? Just so you know. Um, Those of you who know the Bible well, understand that there are 150 Psalms. So if I'm going to take one a week, we'll be here for three years. That's not what we're going to do. But for the next five weeks, we're going to take a journey through a small portion of the book of Psalms, and it's going to be an adventure. It'll be a great adventure. We're going to learn a lot along the way. And um, guys who study the Bible and gals who study the Bible have known for a long time that the book of Psalms is actually a book of songs. And like most songs, they speak to our heart and our spirit. They have a lot of emotion emotion in them, they have, they have a lot of pathos in them, and they just have a way of reaching down and touching right where we live. And so um, uh, I like to think of the book of Psalms uh, oftentimes as just, it's, it's the feelings and thoughts of humans in raw form. It's unrefined, there's no pretense to it at all, you know, it's, it's like David wrote it and then didn't edit it, <laughs> he just wrote what he was feeling and that's how it is. And uh, so you're going to identify with a lot of that, and this morning we're going to talk about the concept of forgiveness in the context of the book of Psalms. For many of you, this is your first time here. I want to say welcome to you. My name is Ron, and if I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I'll hang out in the lobby on the way out, and I would love to get to meet you. I can't promise that I'll remember your name. I try really hard to. Um, but um, anyhow, I would love to meet with you and just uh, uh, get a chance to uh, give you a New Life handshake, which is actually a hug. So, um, yeah, you can look forward to that. Now, the church is a place where we connect with God. In fact, our mission statement begins like this that New Life exists to connect people to God and to others. And I'm just blessed as a pastor when people come and they begin to make connections. I know several of you ladies. Uh, went to the ladies' spa day yesterday, and you made some new connections and, and, and built some new friendships. And I visited with uh, several of the guys on the way in this morning, and several of them were sharing with me that they've joined a life group for guys, and they're really looking forward to making those connections. And I just wanted to share with you an email that I got this last week, and, and uh, we're just blessed as a church because people make those kinds of connections through this church all the time. And if you're here this morning for the first time and you're wondering, how can I get connected to to this crowd? Well, you're never going to get really fully connected with a crowd, but boy, you can sure connect with people inside the crowd. And I want to read you this email I got. Well, I just wanted to send you... By the way, I'll leave it anonymous so you won't know who it is, all right? I just wanted to send you an email to say thanks. Ever since I decided to venture back into the church world... I had a hard time deciding where to go. Thanks to my friends, I decided to try New Life. It was the day before my first day back to church when I was at my friend's church softball tournament, which, by the way, New Life won. Yeah, you like that? All right, yeah, There you go. Just That was a bonus, all right? And he says that I met you, and we had a great conversation about life and religion, and I also learned about your past. I knew then that New Life might be the right decision. After the first service in years, this is the part I want you to get. I knew that this was where I would like to spend my Sundays. New Life was a very inviting and loving place where people like yourself opened their arms and took me in and made me feel like I had known everyone there and had been going to church there for years. Thank you again. I look forward to seeing you and getting to know you and the others at the church every Sunday. So if this is your first uh, trip on this merry-go-round, enjoy the ride. It's a great place to get connected. We have a couple of major goals that I want to talk to you about. And um, they're exciting, but they're challenging. I want you to, on the corner of your New Life Notes, by the way, inside your program, there's a half sheet of notes that have uh, some words missing. You can fill in the blanks as we go along. Uh, But in the margin somewhere, I want you to write down this date. Are you ready? August 24th, 2008. Now, the reason I had you write that date down is because on that Sunday, we are going to go back to a two-service format. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Yeah, it's been a great ride to have one service. It's fun to have everybody in here, and you know, the place is is full. And if you just stop and think about this on any given Sunday right now, we have 75 to 100 people who are on vacation, and we haven't done our grand opening yet. So you can imagine that uh, it's going to get really packed in here, uncomfortably full. So we decided our grand opening is September the 7th. You can write that date down right underneath the August 24th date. So we decided we wanted two weeks of practice before we invited hundreds of people to our new format. So August the 24th, we will have two services, one at 9 and one at 11. Now that brings a big challenge. By the way, how many of you are bringing somebody to the grand opening? Yeah, virtually everyone I know is bringing somebody to the grand opening. Well, you know, this morning there will probably be four hundred people here at church. This morning, if everybody brings one person, you know what that means? It's going to be eight hundred people, and we're sending out a mailer to about twenty-five thousand homes. So, um, uh, just just pray. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're. Uh, it's going to be a fun morning. It's going to be an absolutely terrific time. We're trying to make uh, arrangements. To, to handle as many as twelve to 1,400 people in two services. And uh, so if we have 1,000 people, we should have a whole lot of fun. Um, if somehow 2,000 people show up, you need to really pray, okay? <laughs> That'll be a big challenge, big, big challenge. So take your welcome card, your your New Life Communication card, because I want to lay out three challenges for all of us. There are three specific areas that when we go to a two-service format that, that we have to really shore up in order for that to happen well. For instance, let's take our children's ministry. This is ministering to children ages birth through about the sixth grade. Believe it or not, in order for us to go to a second service, we need to, we need to find 42 new volunteers to work in that ministry. Is that a challenge? That's a huge challenge. Now, fortunately, you don't have to have previous teaching experience. You don't have to have previous children's ministry experience. You just have to have a heart that wants to love children and treat them well. Okay? So um, that's an area that that I'm going to encourage many of you, 42 of you actually, to get on board with that. And the great thing about a two-service format, you can come to church one service, work in the children's ministry the next, and um, and it's not like you work in there every Sunday. I won't get too much into the details, but I want you to be aware that that's a big, big challenge for us. The second challenge we have is um, it's the people that actually work in this service, the ushers who will be passing communion later and and... Passing out uh, the programs on the way in and people greeting you out in front and the people that prepare communion and people that help you park cars. We're, we're putting together a parking ministry because as the church continues to grow, I mean, we're looking at a number of things, including leasing some parking lots from businesses around here. Because you, while we're parking on the dirt right now, come October, November, that might not be a real pleasant experience, all right? So uh, we're working on some of that already but we are going to need people that will help, uh, you know, stand out there with uh, giving hand signals and directions so that people who come to church uh, have a place to park. The third area that we're going to need some help in is putting the finishing touches, and some of them are not quite so finishing touches on this building and property. Take a look at the following pictures. That is our secondary auditorium, and by September the 7th, it must be in use. Okay? It doesn't take a rocket science to figure out. we got some work. There's actually about 150 to 175 people that can sit in that room. Let's take a look at the next picture. That's that's our new kitchen. Okay? It's probably not ready for burgers this afternoon, but uh, that's exactly how it looks by September the 7th. Uh, That's got to be fully operational. And let's go to the next picture. It's also another picture. That's the other side of the kitchen. It's going to be a great kitchen, but uh, we need some people who can put up some FRP. And if you don't know what FRP is, it probably means you can't put it up. (laughs) All right? But we do need somebody who can put up some FRP. All right? Let's go on. This is our new... uh, uh, We have a single ADA-compliant restroom on that side of the building. But as you can see... It has, it has to have all of its fixtures installed. So if you can install stainless steel fixtures over the top of ceramic tile, we could certainly use your help in, in that area. Let's take a look at the next picture. This is a room upstairs that's going to be used as a classroom for a journey through the Bible. Um, I, I won't yes, I will tell you. We, can't, we currently call it the bladder room, although that's a terrible, that's a terrible word. But there's a big um, water bladder up there that actually services all of the, the restrooms in the in the church building. But that uh, needs carpet on the floor. It needs um, baseboard put around. It needs all the stuff in there taken out and stored in a different place. So the classroom, that classroom can handle probably 60 to 75 people pretty easily. And let's look at one more picture. This is another room that right now we just have things stored in but it's also going to be used it's upstairs and it's also going to be used as a classroom so what that means is we have a lot of work that we need to get done between now and September the 7th Um, I'm going to read a a list of things I want you to listen because if you have any expertise in any of these areas then um, I'll, I'll tell you what to do about it in a minute if you can install Corian Once again, if you don't know what it is, you probably can't install it, all right? If you can install in uh, Corian, if you can do either rough or finish electrical work, painting of any kind, tile installation, granite installation, cabinetry to install it and finish it. If you know how to do irrigation, you know, water systems outside to repair and install we could certainly use your help if you know how to install stainless steel uh, fixtures over ceramic tile and you can do it accurately so that it passes uh, inspection that'd be great and uh, for groundskeeping we could certainly use help uh, in uh, we have no groundskeeping crew yet and um, most of this stuff we want to we want to do as much as we can volunteer as possible. It puts you working next to other people, helps you make connections, and it it makes us better stewards of the resources that God has given us. And if you can install FRP paneling, that'd be great. Now, on the front side of your card, I want you to look about halfway down. Do you see a place that says service opportunities? Okay. If you'd be willing to volunteer in the children's ministry, I just want you to circle the children's and youth thing, you can see it there. Uh, if you'd be willing to help park cars, put uh, communication cards on the chairs, sharpen the pencils, uh, fill out name tags, there's all sorts of things that go into the logistics behind our Sunday morning service. If you'd be willing to help with that, then uh, circle the part that says Sundays, and after it it says greeting, setup, etc. And if you'd be willing to do, I mean, we can even use people that will just take stuff and put it on pallets and take it to another part of the of the building to lay carpet. By the way, you don't have to be an expert to lay carpet. We'll give you about a 20-minute lesson in how to lay these carpet squares, and, and you'll be off and running if you can do stuff with, with accuracy. Um, so if you'd be willing to help on the building, un, where it says other, just write the word building in there, and we will call you this week. We'll find out your availability, we'll find out what you can do, what your areas of skill are, and um, and uh, we'll try to get you lined up to come in a time or two between now and September the 7th, because if we all pitch in and help, we'll get a ton of stuff done in a short period of time. Thank you. I want you to pray with me, would you? Father? Finally. Just as we circle the things on these cards and get ready for the addition of a second service and get ready for the grand opening and get ready to open our arms to many people who will be here for the very first time and many of them in seasons where it's a turning point in their life and they're trying to decide if if connecting with you is the next thing on their agenda in life. And some have decided that connecting with you is. They just don't know if this is the place that you would have them connect. Lord, would you work through us to prepare the building, to prepare the grounds, uh, to receive them, to make it a great uh, time of connecting with you. And in the process, Father, would you bless us as we work in your kingdom. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. Psalm chapter 32. We're talking about the anatomy of forgiveness. And if you were here last Sunday, you're still kind of buzzing about that drama, I'm sure, right? What a powerful time. And just what a dynamic picture of a life that started out so innocently and then got corrupted with sin and temptation and became so destructive and so devastating. And then how wonderful that Christ came back into that life and began to turn the life around and to take that young lady and, and dust her off and make things right. And together they could walk off arm in arm. I could hardly think of a better way to set the scene for the subject of the morning forgiveness. Because here's the first truth that I want to teach you, and we're going to, I'm going to teach you this truth and then seven others. And that is that the only real answer to toxic behavior, and that's what we looked at last week, the only real answer to toxic behavior is repentance and forgiveness. There is no other answer. You can go see a counselor and the counselor can say to you that guilt is just a figment of your imagination. You might as well just try to forget it. It's it's a, it's a sad line that you're telling yourself. If you just walk on and act like nothing happened and forget about it, you shouldn't feel guilt. I mean, well, those were behaviors that you chose, but you can't do anything about it now. Just let go of it and walk on. Friend, you can't do that. God didn't make you that way. You're not here this morning, so I can make you feel guilty. But but I know that many of us already felt guilt before we came. And we want to know, can God do anything about the guilt I feel? I've tried to suppress it in my life. I've tried to act as if it doesn't exist, but it keeps surfacing in my life. And the reason it keeps surfacing in your life is because there's something wrong down in there. And the only real answer to the guilt that you feel from toxic behavior is repentance and forgiveness. And the psalm that we're going to work our way through this morning deals especially, touches a little bit on repentance, but it deals especially with forgiveness. And that's a very, very important thing. So let's take a look at the Bible teaching and work our way through the, the 32nd chapter of the book of Psalms. It says, Blessed is he whose transgressions are covered, whose sins, I mean whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. Now we're going to learn two lessons from that short section of Scripture. The first one is this, ultimate forgiveness can only be obtained from God. You see, David is the the author of this song, King David, who who was the beloved musician of the entire nation of Israel. And most of the psalms, not all of them, but most of the psalms in your Bible were written by David. It was the national hymn book or song book for the entire nation of Israel. And for many centuries, it's what they sang from. So as David sat down to write this, I want you to see right away that David understood that sin, all sin, has catastrophic consequences in life. That's the nature of sin. It's destructive. And I want you also to notice that David doesn't say, blessed is the person who never sins. Do you understand? He starts out, blessed is the person whose sins are forgiven, because David knew the truth about you and the truth about me and the truth about every other human being who's ever lived on this earth, and that is that we all sin. So he starts from the position that all of us are sinners, and we all know that to be true. But he said there's something that can be done about it. Now, twice he used the word blessed, and that's a And that's a really important understanding. We don't have a good English word for the original Hebrew word that was used there. So I'm going to give you three words you can write in the margin because if you put all three of them together, they will give you an accurate understanding of what that word blessed means. Okay, The first word is the word satisfied. You know what satisfied means? This is not a word that means I'll just be content with what I have and learn how to be satisfied. The best way I can describe it to you, it's how you feel on Thanksgiving Day before you go back for thirds. You know, when you're, when you're done with your first, you're not quite satisfied, right? And you eat the seconds, and then, boy, that really tasted good. And now you're really satisfied, but you realize it's 12 months till Thanksgiving happens again, right? And then you go back, and you pork out. And then you're no longer satisfied. Okay? Yeah. So David said, you want that feeling that just says, man, do I feel good? Am I satisfied? Now, the second word you have to combine with satisfaction is the word happy. This is not just somebody who's trying to fake it till they make it. The concept of blessed means that a person is happy internally, and they're so happy internally that it just kind of naturally creeps out of their body language. So their step is quicker, their shoulders are square, waist is sucked in as far as possible. Corners of their mouth turn up. You get a little crow's feet right here, right? They're just, why? Because they're happy on the inside and it just spills out. And David says, you know, blessed, if there's the opportunity, even after we've sinned, there's the opportunity to feel satisfied in life because we no longer feel guilty. And there's the opportunity to feel happy in life, really happy. Not, not silly, just happy. And the third word is the word healthy. And the concept of health here is, if you've ever been sick, and all of us have been, and you're sick for quite a while, remember the day that comes when you finally feel well again, and you think, golly, this feels great. I didn't think I was ever going to feel like this again. My head doesn't hurt. My belly doesn't ache. I've got energy. And for the first time in a while, you're actually healthy. And there's a strength that comes with that. There's an energy that comes with that. There's a vitality that comes with that. There's an optimism that comes with it because you're actually healthy on the inside. Now, go back with me to that passage and understand what David is saying. Even after you and I have sinned, it's possible to be healthy on the inside not scarred and damaged and broken. It's possible to be healthy on the inside and to be so healthy on the inside that our spirit and our soul is satisfied and feels good. And it's so satisfied that it shows on our face and in our life in the outward expression of happiness. Now friends, I might forgive you See, there's three levels of forgiveness that you need in life to function well. And I can only talk about one of them this morning because of time. But you need to get forgiveness from other people. You need to forgive yourself. And I will talk about both of those on other mornings, not necessarily in the book of Psalms. But if you continue to come to New Life, I'll give you some teaching on that. You need to get forgiveness from others. You need to forgive yourself. But friends, ultimately... You must get forgiveness from God because if you reach the end of your life on this earth and you have not obtained forgiveness from God, then you have no forgiveness in eternity. And the great thing is God makes it available to everyone. It's not automatic. Don't think just because you're a human being that somehow God just automatically forgives you. It's available to everyone but you must obtain it from him. And so David starts right there. You want to be happy in this life? You want to live it to the fullest? Then you need at some point, and preferably today, to go to God and receive his forgiveness because ultimately forgiveness can only be found eternally. Eternal forgiveness can only be found from God. Now the second lesson here is this. God's forgiveness takes place in the setting of complete honesty. You notice that David said, in in him, uh, to the man who's in his spirit, there is no deceit. You know, you might be able to do a snow job on me. And I might look at you and go, oh, wow, yeah, I didn't know. And you walk away thinking, man, That pastor, that dude is so easy to fool. And you might be able to fool a bunch of other people. But you know, if you're going to get forgiveness from God, guess what? He's not buying any snow job. You know why God wouldn't buy a snow job? Because in the end, it wouldn't be good for you. Because if you could lie to God and get by with it, what would you do to yourself? you would lie to yourself. And the problem is you take yourself everywhere you go. Yeah. You know, one of the great things about this church, and and, and I'm, I'm thrilled every week to watch what God does at New Life. On your communication card, there's a place to write prayer requests. In this church, we average about 75 to 100 of those every single week. Some weeks we have over a, 100 prayer requests. And you know, it's not just, you know, pray for me I got a hangnail or a boil on my toe. Although we're happy to pray for both of those too, all right? But I'm just amazed and blessed at the transparency of people in this church. It, it, there's just no deceit. It's just amazing to me when a family when a family's going through marital problems, they put it right on the prayer request. Pray for me and my wife. Pray for me and my husband. We're just not getting along right now, and we really need help. I picked up prayer requests. Pray for me. I'm going off pot this week. I mean, some of them I couldn't even share with you this morning. But you know the amazing thing is? Again, it's a place where people come and they just get real with God and they get real with each other and they recognize that nothing good happens in my life when I cover what I'm struggling with. And so I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to understand forgiveness only takes place in the context of complete honesty. And I want you to be, I'm going to give you a chance here in a minute to be completely honest with God. Because That's why we come to church. That's what church is all about. It's being completely honest with God. So let's go on and read the next verse. Because the next verse says this. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me and my strength was sapped as in the heat of summer, then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Let's take a look at two lessons we can learn from this. The first lesson is this. Covered sin emaciates the human spirit. If you don't know what emaciates means, it means that you waste away and you wither and you atrophy and you get weaker and weaker. Covered sin emaciates the human spirit. God knows that. David knew that. And, and the reason that God says, I want you to confess your sins to me is because he recognizes that when we cover sin, it's like harboring uh a, a cancer or some horrible thing in our body and it's just eating away and eating away and eating away. That's what covered sin does. And eventually it, it just breaks open. David said, when I tried to cover my sin, it was like my bones were wasting away. Have you ever felt like you were bone weary? Ever Have anybody used that phrase? I've used that phrase before. Yeah, you're just so weary, weary all the way to the bones. David said, that's what it does. It emaciates the human spirit. But you know something? Open confession is the first step to obtaining God's forgiveness. Open confession. Now, you don't necessarily have to confess to me, and I'm certainly not going to say, okay, let, let's start right down here in front, and raise your hand and, and tell us your worst sin so we all know and we can all pray for you. Okay? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't no. But open confession means I've got to get before God, I've got to lay it out before Him, and I've got to say, God, this is what I'm currently struggling with. I'm going to give you a form to do that. At New Life, every Sunday, we participate in communion. And those of you who are ushers, you can go back and get the trace. But every Sunday at New Life, we participate in communion. And even if this is your first time with us, I don't want to pressure you to partake. You don't have to. In fact, if you decide not to participate, no one would judge you for that in any way because at some point in our lives, we weren't ready to partake yet either. But if you want to, and if you want to honor Christ with us, then when the trays are passed, you'll find on the trays portions of bread and portions of juice. You can take one of each and pass the tray to your neighbor, and you can hold those portions in your hand. And after you've gone through the activity that I'm going to, suggest for all of us this morning, when you're ready, then you can partake on your own. Here's here's the context in which I want to suggest that we take communion today. The Bible's very clear that communion is about remembering the death of Jesus that paid the penalty for your sins and mine. So in light of that, this morning, I'd like for us to take this time and just confess to the Lord what we're struggling with right now. Just take a little inventory of your life. Go back over the last week and lay it out before the Lord. Just get honest with Him. And say, God, this is what I'm struggling with in life. I don't want to struggle with this. I'm not happy with this in my life, but I'm not willing to cover it up and I'm sure not, I'm sure not going to try to hide it from you. I know you already know it, but I want to talk with you about it right now. I want to lay it out before you. And I want to confess my sin. And I want to ask you to help me work on that this week. Because next week when I come, I want to be able to celebrate victory in my life in this area and not be deeper in the struggle. I'm going to lead us in a prayer. And then the ushers are going to are going to pass the trays. Um, and while we're doing that, just to kind of take care of that business with God. Heavenly Father, you know us completely. And the amazing thing is, though you know every sin that we've done and it breaks your heart, it doesn't drive you away from us, but you love us anyway. Right now, Lord, we're reminded of the amazing sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, and we're so grateful for it. And right now, Lord, we confess to you our sins. We lay them out before you, our struggles, struggles that we've had this week or maybe something that we've carried for a long time. God, we just want to get real with you and lay it out there so that we can leave this place blessed because we have obtained and received from you real forgiveness. We pray it in the name of your Son, Jesus. So let's take a look at what lies on the other side of confession. Verses 6 and 7. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach Him. And then David says, You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You see, when we experience God's forgiveness, He becomes our refuge and life. It's amazing that God knows everything about us and still loves us. Isn't that amazing? And the great thing is, once you confess all your sins to Him, then you don't have to worry about Him finding anything else out about you, right? It's all out there on the table. you got it all up above board. And the fact that that, that then when God forgives you and you experience it and you feel the release that comes from knowing you've been forgiven by God, it's just an amazing feeling. And and you begin to, to recognize, I can trust God. Because I've now told him, even all the dirt, the dirty, dark stuff of my life, and he still forgave me, and he still accepts me, and he still comes into my life. Wow. Then I can learn to trust him more and more, and he becomes my refuge. But when we get to the next verses, we'll find out something about our human spirit that is a little bit of a challenge. Because verses 8 through 10 read like this. I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or mule which have no understanding but must be controlled by bit and bridle or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. You know, there's an interesting principle there. Because if you're just reading along, you think, Whoa, whoa, what happened, David? It's like you changed subjects on me. What about the horse and the bit and the bridle? Well, the the principle is this, and the reason that David gets into this, he's just exhorted us to confess our sins to the Lord, and the principle is this. You see, confession and repentance are certainly not natural for the human spirit. If you've been a parent, you know that. You know, it's much more natural for us to cover our sins or excuse them, right? Right? Shake your head like this, sure. You know, how many of you know what the word yabbit means? Yeah, you never heard of that word, right? Unfortunately, it was a word that appeared often in my home of origin. Usually, the conversation would start something like this. My father would say to me, Ron, did you? And I would say, yabbit. And my dad would go, don't yab at me, did you? I remember one time we were guests in a church. That was a state away from where I was born and raised. And the conversation started like this. Ron, did you get up on the back of the church pews and run from the back of the building to the front of the building, touching only the backs of the church pews? You know what my response was? Yab at Yeah, but Dad, there were three other kids doing it and they challenged me to a race. Now, how many of you think my father's response was, oh, that's different. I mean, if they challenge you to a race, that gives you the opportunity to check all common sense at the back door. And did you win? No. No. It's just so natural for the human spirit. Even when God begins to stir in our hearts and begins to bring up to the surface behavior that we all know is questionable at best and God begins to bring it up to the surface, what is it that we tend to say to God? Yeah, but, it. And we come out with some excuse. And it probably doesn't sound any better to him than the excuse that I gave to my dad on that day. Yeah, I was only 8 or 10. I wasn't very good at living life yet. Yeah. You see, it's just not natural for us. But the great thing is, look how this psalm ends. Verse 11 reads like this, Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. You know, when you walked into this place this morning, the worship team was leading us in the song, Hosanna. Hosanna. And you were invited to sing. And I'll tell you this, on days that I walk in here and there's nothing between God and me and I'm all confessed up and I'm all living, as far as I know, the way that I should. I slip up a little bit here and there, but I talk to God about that. And I'm, I'm, just, I'm just right walking with God. Man, I'll tell you what, there, there's, there's a level of, of joy and rejoicing and singing. That's just great. And when, and when there are days when, well, that just wasn't a very good week of victory. Frankly, there was more defeat in that week than there was victory. It's a little harder to muster up that hosanna and all that stuff uh, because it's just not right in here. You know, at the end of this chapter, David has brought us full circle. What did he start? What's the first word in the chapter? Blessed. And what did blessed mean? It means happy, healthy, and satisfied. And how does he end the chapter? Rejoice in the Lord. When we learn to take our struggles to God, and receive His forgiveness. It just does such wonderful things in our life, and that's where God wants us to be. That's where David exhorts us to be. And so the principle here is that joy lies on the other side of forgiveness. And if you try to take the shortcut and you try to get joy without getting forgiveness, I can tell you, whatever joy you get will be tainted joy. It won't be the real thing. It won't be the undiluted thing. It'll be in some way tainted. The worship band is going to come and sing a song, and and it's just a wonderful song. Many of you know the old song "Amazing Grace." And you know it's the grace of God that enables us to be forgiven, and it's the grace of God that that just comes into our life and takes that guilt and begins to wash it away. And I don't, I know we don't get very much of it during this time of the year, but in a few months, the clouds are going to come and the rain's going to begin to fall and all the pollen and all the dust and all the other stuff that's floating around in the air, the rain is just going to wash it out of the air. And you're going, to, you're going to breathe in and you're going to smell freshly washed air. It's going to feel so good because it's just wonderful. Well, you know something in the same way, when the grace of God comes into your life, it begins to wash away the stains and the scars of sin. I want you to stand with me, if you would. Just bow your head, close your eyes, and those same struggles that you confessed to God a while ago, I just just want you to get those back on the shelf, back out again, and say, Oh God, would you just wash me with the rain of your grace? Let's pray. Father, I pray right now that you would send your grace, that... Every one of us who struggles this morning that we could feel in our heart and in our spirit as we confess to you, we could feel your grace like rain washing our stains away and beginning to help us deal with guilt so that we could leave this place forgiven and ready to live victoriously, recognizing that you want to do a new thing in our lives. We come to you by faith Trusting in Jesus, who promised us this grace, and we receive it now.
0: We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.